0: In today's fierce competitive market, individuals and organizations are consistently seeking ways to gain a competitive edge, striving to enhance their efficiency and productivity. In this episode of Latino Business Report, we are joined by Thelma Tamez, an expert in de Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Thelma shares valuable insights and practical tips guiding listeners on how to unleash the untapped potential within their businesses and organizations. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode. Today we're going to be talking with a young lady who has a very inspiring tale. First generation Latina, working for corporate America, left a great paying job to start her own business. Adventurous brave but yet very, very successful. And her name is Thelma Thomas. Thelma, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here and I'm so excited to talk about diversity, equity and inclusion and I could talk about diversity, equity and inclusion all day, but I know we have a limited of time so we have, have a limited matter <laughs> as much as I can in a short period of time.
0: And we definitely want to talk about that and some of the other things that you do. But the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion, that seems to be in the news. There was battles in the the state legislature. I mean, people are talking about it. And there's a lot of people who just don't fully understand it or what we're talking about. And I even think some of the people arguing against it don't understand what it's all about. But before we get into that, Thelma, let's find out a little bit about yourself. Where are you from?
1: I'm originally and always been a RGV Valley native. I'm from McAllen. I've been living in McAllen my whole life. McAllen ISD district. I did SCC um, undergrad and UTRGV. Um, during that time, I did work with T-Mobile. I had been with T-Mobile for over 14 years. I started as as an entry-level customer service and then eventually moved up to leadership roles and diversity, equity, and inclusion was Introduced to us about a little bit more than 10 years ago, Timo has always been a very progressive and forward-thinking organization, which I'm extremely grateful because of them, I was able to go ahead and start off my business and get insights of what, what diversity, equity, and inclusion I started my business about five years ago when I first originally started off. I remember having a conversation with my director at that time that I'm going to start off a consulting business um, on diversity, equity and inclusion. And he had he was always a great sponsor and a great ally that he's like, okay, he's like, what are you going to do? What do you see? And I'm like, there's going to be a need. For small business, for nonprofits, for governments that are not going to be able to house someone full time as a DNI expert for them to be able to outsource it. And I want to make sure that they don't fall behind on creating an engaged and inclusive workforce and getting the benefits that usually Fortune 500s do have the budget for. So that's having that conversation back then, eventually COVID hit. um, I was still with them. I started getting in more in-depth, not just within the technical aspect and the the executing and on-site, but also the certifications. And I started going into more certifications from SHRM certifications, and and I still keep doing more. There's so much to learn, and it's very complex.
0: So this thing started about five years ago as a side hustle.
1: Yes, it started as actually the first my first target audience back then, because it's it's completely rebranded and, and we've I've changed. It started because I was gonna target more the high school students and school districts because I saw that many students will leave the valley and come back. Um, why? Because they would go to college. They didn't feel included. They were exposed to so much diversity. They hadn't been exposed to that awareness piece or anything that they would come back to the Valley. So that was my first thought. And then I was I transitioned into, let's go ahead and make sure to build it into an en- engaging and providing it in the workforce and educating um, small businesses and governments and nonprofits.
0: Okay. Now, I understand the importance of having programs like this at the corporate level, but you said you wanted to target those small to medium-sized businesses. So, and I think you're absolutely right, though. I, I think you're spot on of the importance of DE&I, but how can that actually... Let's talk about how it benefits large corporations and businesses such as T-Mobile or some of the Fortune 500 companies that I'm sure you've worked for or consulted for, and how does that relate to the small business owner And if we have any business owners out there listening, why would it be important for them to take that into consideration when developing their business models or their business plans?
1: Of course. So everything and any, any type of initiatives, you always want to make sure that you're attaching the ROI or make sure that you're attaching metrics to your initiative. Um, when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion and then attaching employee engagement, um, according to a SHRM study last year, there was a three hundred and fifty nine billion dollars in workplace conflict yearly, that's a roughly about 2.1 hours per week per employee in employee and workplace conflict. What that means is that a lot of times there could be issues within the organization because of differences, but there hasn't been a way to really build that inclusive environment. Or also you have five different generations working in the workforce right now. A lot of times when we have our baby boomers and our Gen Zs interacting, a lot of times they're like, oh, Gen Zs and millennials are lazy or they're not thinking fast enough. And there goes back and forth of bashing between generations versus really trying to find similarities that they have, being able to identify their communication styles so they could work smoothly. Now, it is anytime that there is more diversity, there's going to be more innovation Anytime that there's a diversity, whether it's gender, race, diversity of thought, that's a whole other spectrum, you're more likely to have high-performing teams. Now, also, turnover. Um... One of the things is that there was a $233 billion, the cost of workplace turnover. Now,
0: okay, wait, how much?
1: $233 billion, the cost of workplace turnover.
0: Billion. Okay. Yes.
1: Due to culture over the past five years. So just imagine that employees are leaving because of culture. And when it comes to culture, it could be anything from a hostile environment, from micromanaging, from lack of communication, benefits, flexibility. And now, what it impacts is ultimately we need to make sure that we're tailoring a workforce culture that employees feel engaged value and that they belong. So that's okay. what's
0: let on. Me, let, me, let, me, let me stop you there, Thelma. <laughs> Ex- explain this to me. I get it. I get, I hear what you're saying. I understand it. There's been a lot of turnover because of employees aren't satisfied with the work environment of the culture of the business. But it's called work. I mean, people go to work. I mean, I'm I'm of the baby boomer era, and I was taught, you know, it's it's work me home I mean, you got to go to work if you don't like it, you know, then work hard and become the boss or, or whatever. But in this turnover, this this turnover of of people leaving businesses and going someplace else because of culture, has there been a rise of that lately? We're in the past, yes. Two, well, the, okay. you also
1: need to um, what comes to what. There's a, a big shift where. Um, baby boomers they were raised and other generations were in a tolerate things and like you mentioned if you don't like it go ahead and find something else um Things have shifted. It's pretty much now um, employees are pretty much looking into reviewing your vision, reviewing your mission, reviewing Glassdoor surveys um, to determine like why are your employees leaving or if I really want to go ahead and spend time there. You need to keep in mind that if you, the minimum, if you're working your 40 hours a day, uh, 40 hours, I'm sorry, a week work shift, that means 160 hours a month that you're spending at this workplace. So you want to make sure we spend pretty much 13 years of our life working, which it impacts that you want to make sure that you have an environment that you could be yourself. Now, you want to make sure that your employees feel engaged and that they're being able to provide their best innovative ideas without creating a hostile environment. Or if not, they're just going to go ahead and go work for somebody else.
0: Yeah, 40 hours a week. For me, that's like a part time <laughs> job. Um you know, I, I, I get it, and I, but I can't help but feel, there again, and I'm gonna I'm biased, I guess because of my age, but there's so many of these young people coming out of colleges that, in my opinion, feel entitled. They think they should be getting higher salaries. They think that everything should revolve around them, and yet, when they're entering the workforce and entry level or they're brand new to the industry, there's still a lot of things they don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get a kick out of it. I, I kind of mess with my young staffers every now and then. They go... Well, can you write it down for me? And I go, sure. So I can kind of write it down. And then when I write it, I write it in cursive, in longhand. And half of them can't even read it because they weren't taught that in school. It's it's mind boggling. Or I sent one the other day to the post office. Hey, I need you to take this post office, get it certified. And this was a graduate student from a, from a university. And he looks at me and says, Mr. Gonzalez, I got to tell you, I've never mailed physically mailed a letter in my entire life. How do I do it? And I'm going, hey. <laughs> So, so, Thelma, I hear what <laughs> you're saying, but at the same time, as you have people entering the workforce, some of these younger ones, in my opinion, and I may be wrong, they come to work with this sense of entitlement. Well, of course you're not going to be happy with the work environment because you got old guys, old fossils like me that expect a certain amount of standard from, if I'm paying you to do a job, I expect the job to be done. So how does that balance out in this whole this whole thing of... of DE&I.
1: So I completely agree with you. And there is, has to be a balance uh, when it comes to overall. And at the end of the day, it's still your your job, your career, you still want to make sure that you're exchanging um, services and that you're fulfilling your job description. Um, one of the things that I had a conversation with someone earlier that they're like, oh, I just want more flexibility, but I'm in my starting off um, career path. And I'm like, okay, but I and I shared with her, I'm like, look, Um, I'm where I'm at right now, but I took on a lot of shifts that when I was doing my undergrad at T-Mobile and actually probably till the end of T-Mobile, I was working, uh, Thursday through, through Monday shift where I was off Mm -hmm. in a sense, I was off, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, so I could go to school during the week, and then I would rather work on the weekends, and I was working the 3 to 12, so I could be able to go and do a networking and do community events in the morning, but I would miss out on a lot of birthday parties. I would miss out on a lot of barbecues. I'm I'm not big on just hanging out and barbecuing, but that was my preference because of what I wanted to do and what my focus was. And I was very transparent that you do need to make some sacrifices regardless of what um, age or a generation you're in to identify for where you want to get, but you have to have, and also I was very, uh, I was in a really good place. I've always had great um, sponsors and mentors that I saw their work ethic. And one of the things that we always recommend and I recommend to my clients is start a reverse mentoring program or a mentoring program between folks from different generations and you could learn from each other. Whether it's work at there, whether it's discipline, whether it's even them teaching you easier ways to go about it. Like, for example, was that letter really needed to be mailed or can you just pretty much sign it from your phone? Because you could sign letters from your phone that get emailed to you. So there's things that you want to make sure to find that common ground. And there's going to be differences even within cultures that... Some things are going to be uh, uh, accepted and some things are going to be like, well, why are you even doing that? Um, so it's about communication and really building relationships within your team.
0: No, and it makes sense. I, I thoroughly I, I agree. I, I enjoy having young staffers around because I learn a lot from them. Anytime I have a computer problem, I find somebody under the age of 25, get over here, show me what's going on and i do recognize there's a different perspective and i learn from that and try to stay stay uh, uh on the vanguard of what's happening out there in the world when it comes to technology and everything else but at the same respect and then we'll switch subjects it's just it just concerns me where you have a 21 22 year old fresh out of college with a degree or two under their belt, coming into a an established forty something year old company or organization, and say, "I'm here, so let me change everything to do it the way I want to do it." And all you old people and your thoughts and the way you've been doing it to build this thing doesn't matter. That's what gets me, Thelma. <laughs> That's what gets me. I know. I, okay, I know this podcast is supposed to be about you and th- but you know, no, I, just, it, I just can't help it. I, I can't it, help it.
1: It, it. it. And I'm sure a lot of individuals feel um, like you do. Um, and I and I doubt one person, a twenty-year-old, is going to go in there and change everything. But it's, oh
0: no, but they'll try. They <laughs> will try.
1: <laughs> but it's about one. You always focus on the one the the business purpose of the organization, and is it going to help the organization or is it going to hurt the organization? And we remove our egos because even though if you've been there for forty years and you haven't come up with the idea that this twenty-something is, is bringing up, but it's going to help improve the PL and the profit and loss of the, org, like the organization. Why wouldn't you listen? You won't, you don't want to stagnate it and say the same, look at what happened to Blockbuster, but you want to make sure that, okay, is it a right, good idea? Is it my ego? The ones that's, is just not allowing them to express their, their, their opinion and their thoughts, or is it a bad idea? And maybe have that conversation, like, Hey, great. Thank you. But let's go ahead and, the way that that seems, it's how is that going to be our benefit towards the organization? Does it align with our vision? Does it align with our mission? Does it align with our pillars? Does it align with our strategic goals? Really have that conversation.
0: Okay. So you very politely and professionally told me, <laughs> Jr. chill out. Young people have stuff to offer. Listen to what they have to say. Okay. Well,
1: I think All right. everyone has something to offer, not just young. So it's not about okay. being biased towards one.
0: All right, all right, all right. I get you. But would it be safe to say that even those young people, with all those fresh and new ideas, and some of the things they suggest that we've tried in the past but didn't work, can it, there's an opportunity for them to learn also?
1: 100%. A hundred percent from us.
0: From us older ones. I mean, we've been at it a while.
1: Yeah, that's why it's reverse mentoring. Back in like re- mentoring and reverse mentoring, and also. Just because an idea didn't work in the past doesn't mean it won't work now or in the future. Maybe it's not the right time or maybe it's not going to work out and you have to rethink it or wait. So timing is also a big thing. Um, I know probably Zoom didn't work out before COVID. Maybe very minimum um, organizations were using it. And then COVID hit and Zoom completely probably became the most needed brand. So there's always different times and faces. Um, it's important to have that relationship, and then not only diversity—we're just focusing on age. Also, there's a lot of ageism, and I and I get it. I know a lot of—I know it's against the law to discriminate against folks that are over forty, but there, you need to also be mindful that as an organization you're not pushing or not promoting or not hiring folks that are in the older scale of the age because you might think that they're going to retire or that they're not going to last with you by 10 more years because they're going to they're no longer going to be in the workplace right now even when it comes to people are not staying 10 years in an organization it's very rare but you want to make sure that the time that they're with you that you really gain pretty much it's a it's a great mix between the organization and the employee
0: Okay, and as we move forward, especially to maximize our investment in people and human capital, and for a good, healthy bottom line of a ROI, a return on investment, I guess not only the the people, but also the organization, the culture of the organization, need to adjust as times change.
1: Well, as your as your workforce is changing, um, as I mentioned, there's different sense of, of, of diversity. You have your personality, your internal dimensions, your external, we're talking about from values, beliefs, experiences, backgrounds, zip codes, all of that, it's in focuses within the diversity of, of who we are as individual. 10% of our diversity that we've seen amongst each other, that's the visible diversity. So just by looking at someone, you could only see 10% of their diversity. 90%, it's an invisible diversity. So it really does take time, and that's why I say that it's its a little bit complex, but you, what you want to gain is to that inclusive aspect and in, where you're really creating a space where people okay. feel like they belong.
0: Okay, I, I kind of like... What you said there, the, what'd you say, the invisible diversity? diversity. Yeah. Can you get, give us an example of what are some characteristics of a invisible difference?
1: So in a, an invisible um, difference, it's the, co- the, co- the religion. Just by looking at me, you won't be able to tell what religion I practice or if I practice a religion or not. That's an invisible.
0: Unless you're wearing jewelry around your neck with whatever religion you are. I mean, and some people yes. do that.
1: Or even education. For example, just by looking at each other without having a conversation, you won't know where my education is at.
0: Mm. Well, true. You could assume. My coll-
1: you can make an yeah, assumption. My,
0: my, my, college, my college ring doesn't fit these fingers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that the, the gold shrunk, but I think my, my, these little chorizo fingers just got a little fatter. But okay. So okay, I get that. Religion, education, what else, what else would be an example? I mean, um,
1: what, what it, couldn't
0: it also couldn't it also work? I mean, uh, some assumptions of of a person is is they look Latino and don't make the assumption they are, or don't make the assumption that they've had the same type of cultural experience you've had as well. Correct. I mean, you're from you're from the RGV, Lower Rio Grande Valley. I mean, that's a world within itself. I mean, I mean. RGVers I mean they're all over the country but that is a different mindset and, <laughs> and I say that I say that uh, fondly because I was born there and from there so I, I get it I get it um, but that's interesting I, I want to go back a little bit Thelma you talked about reverse mentoring can you give me an idea or give us the listeners an idea of what that looks like and maybe we can I, I'm willing to try that but explain kind of lay it out for me a little bit more.
1: Uh, and I and I could probably simplify it if I could remember the name of that movie, the the intern. Do you recall? Uh, was oh it yes, Hathaway? with <laughs> Anne
0: Hathaway and uh, Robert De Niro.
1: Yes, that's a perfect example of mentoring and then reverse mentoring because he was also mentoring her as well, and she was mentoring him as well. So that's that's probably the most. Um, simple way of you could be able to explain. It's a great movie. It really showcases the different generations. That movie was probably ahead of its time. Um, Probably right now, it would bring a lot of awareness for folks to really connect because we have multiple generations in the workplace at the moment.
0: Okay, good point. Thelma, let's talk about this. From the years 2020 to 2030, 78% of all new employees are going to be Latinos. 78% of all new people entering the workforce are going to be Latinos and Latinas. Now, what is that going to do for the, the DEI profile?
1: Well, is that in, in Texas, the stats?
0: No, that's nationally,
1: (laughs) national. It's a Uh, national stat. It's, it's, it's going to be extremely important, but I, 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 it's not just for for Latinos. I think for any per, per person of color, um, any any type of ethnicity, um, our demographics are changing. It's all about minorities, but it's also important that um, you always want to make sure that you get the best candidate and the best person in the role. Um, but there's going to be a lot of more growth within leadership role, but you want to make sure that. Even as, as a Latino, as a person of color, as a woman, you do get the competencies and the skills and don't expect that you're going to get a role or a leadership role just because of, of your ethnicity or of your, or your gender. You want to make sure that you're really getting either your certifications or your degree, or you put it in the work, but also as a hiring manager or as a person that it's in the talent and acquisition, that you want to make sure that you always have a diverse talent pool. Get a diverse talent pool and make sure that what you're hiring represents the area in your market where you're at.
0: Okay. But at the same respect, I understand that. And statistics or studies will show that when you have diversity, you have a better product. You have a smoother operation, better ideas. Innovation is better. When the people entering the workforce are going to be lopsided, if you will, are heavily skewed towards one particular ethnicity that that's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, I don't have the answer and I'm really not sure what I'm trying to say here. But I mean that is a fact and it's gonna make it's gonna shift a lot of a lot of um I'm not gonna say it's gonna shift ways of thinking, but it's gonna shift a lot of the dynamics in businesses and also the you know, buying from, power. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The buying power. So when when we are talking about um being inclusive, at what point is inclusion being inclusive gonna start meaning white men over 40 years old we got to reach out to that because they're you know they're important as well because with a growing population to have proper inclusion it needs to be that mix so at at one point will this whole d and i think kind of shift to like now we need to start including you know white males or white females into into the mix
1: well even right now you don't exclude them that's that's and it's extremely important for folks to to understand because I know sometimes folks and organizations, especially corporations, they will start employee research groups. Where usually employee research groups are uh, business research groups, as they're known as, as as that as well. So you'll have the Women's Initiative Network that is focused on bringing in. They'll have their pillars or have their strategies and what they're focusing, whether development, leadership, mentorship. There's different, all of them, if you look into employee research groups, pretty much every organization, I think there's like over 800,000 employee research groups across the nation. It's also important that if oh, the white male want to go ahead and start an employee research groups, they could start an employee research group. Why? Because, there, as I mentioned, diversity, there's diversity of thought, age, there's diversity of beliefs, values. You still want to be able to give them a space where they feel like they belong and that they're able to share their challenges that they go through. Now, you always want to make sure in these groups to allow allies and they might also need allies. Um, and then of course, depending on where they're located or if they're the ones that have the leadership roles or don't have the leadership roles in the organization. So it's not about excluding anyone. It's true. Even for example, I have conversations with folks that I took organizations I'll go in here and I can't expect for everybody to leave the training or even within your organization to go into a pride parade or an LGBTQ parade. Why? Because some individuals, because of their beliefs and religions, they don't want to be able to participate in a pride parade. And you also need to be mindful and respectful of their beliefs. What you're asking is that if that leader, because of their religion, beliefs, they can not attend a pride parade or an LGBTQ event, that they're still being inclusive towards their team. And if there's an opportunity, whether there's a stretch assignment, whether there's a development opportunity, that you're not excluding the individual from the LGBT community, that you're still being inclusive and and allowing them to be part of those programs as well. That's where we wanna go ahead and get to. Okay.
0: All right. I can see why you might need a, consult, a, company, <laughs> a consultant for this subject, okay, it can get confusing. All right. So as we do that now, your company, and what's the name of your company again?
1: La Encantada Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. All
0: right. And with your permission, we'll do, uh, on the podcast notes, we'll put a link to your to your business. So if people have any further questions or, or want to reach out to you, they can. What I also want to ask you them, I noticed that uh, on your website, you also do customer service training. What are some of the top mistakes that people make or what what are some of the things that they should do when it comes to customer service because that's one of my pet peeves i walk into a restaurant i go into a retail store i'm ready to spend money and some of those people employees that are working there are just rude unattentive smug they're on their cell phones it just i go i am here i am a customer i mean if i'm ready to spend money pay a little attention to me but so many times i just or at least be polite and sometimes i'm not getting it there again I'm not getting it, and I don't get it. What is happening in this world that so many people need to understand a little bit more the basics of of good customer service?
1: My approach, and I always challenge um, the, the leaders or the organization, if you want to get the customer experience right, get your employee experience right. If you take care of your employees, they're taking care of your customers. Now, you really cannot expect them to provide the service or for them to really tar- like tailor the approach or personalize the experience if you're not doing that as a leader or if your management is not doing that With your with your employees, Um, whenever an employee feels welcome, whenever their employees feels valued, they're gonna go the extra mile. Of course, you're gonna have some outliers, and no organization and no no business is gonna be it's gonna be safe from that. You're still gonna come across some outliers, but you coach, you develop, and if it's not working, well, you let them go. But you really, truly need to be very comfortable with having crucial conversations on holding your team accountable to make sure that they're delivering a great customer experience it's it's depending goes back to what are your 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 what you're valuing as an organization what are you trying to sell um and and i and i can't speak on behalf of t-mobile but mainly based on the experience that i've had at t-mobile our customer service was great and why because our employees were treated right and we Will hold people accountable and the leaders will hold accountable. So it, it goes it goes full cycle. So that's one of the things that you truly want to make sure that you're identifying. And then also that your leaders are executing. A lot of times leaders don't even hold their employees accountable because they're not doing the right thing. Or they just are so shying away from crucial conversations. And that that's a whole other conversation that I think a lot of times we so hesitant about um, having crucial conversations, especially in our culture, because if you were raised with, oh, let's not talk about it or don't ask questions, that also reflects in our leadership style.
0: Okay. Thelma, (laughs) I'm starting to sense a theme here talking to you. So if there's something wrong or something needs to be corrected or something that's not being done right, before you start blaming, take a good look at leadership. Or take a good look at yourself as the owner or manager, and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do first. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yes, I'm. I'm huge when it comes to to ownership and um, and overall, whether it's from your health, whether if it's from where you're at with your work, whether it's from your day to day. Before you start blaming your environment, your circumstances, I do believe that we all have different. Privileges, and we're in different situations. But at the end of the day, we all make different choices and decisions. So let's focus on on us first before we go out there.
0: Thelma, we're almost out of time here, but I know that your company does. Uh, and congratulations for, for making five years. I mean, five years is kind of that that pivotal point in any new business. I mean, the first couple of years are tough. If you make it by three, that's a milestone. You make it to five, it actually you, it looks like you're actually going to make it. So congratulations. Um, for being successful and making it to five years. And congratulations for your courage to leave a good paying corporate gig and, and go off on your own. I know that that takes a lot and uh, kudos to you for doing that. Are you, any regrets about leaving?
1: No, I not, not at this, at this point. Um, The time was great and I always um, share it because people ask me, how did it, how did it feel when you left? And, I, I shared that it was, I've never been married, but it felt like if it was my first divorce. But where the kids were already off to college, where we have already provided each other a great back and forth. Um, it's, it's I have a lot of respect, and I'm extremely grateful. But we weren't growing. So in order for there to be change, in order for for growth to happen, need, change needs to happen. So as of today, um, there's no re- regret. Um, I'm very grateful. Um, I've had the opportunity to connect with different organizations. I learned so much from different organizations now that it's not easy. There's some challenging times, but for me, building equitable and really providing education on that, it's a it's a win. It fills my heart, and I could talk about DNI whether it's at at the gym when I'm out and about. I could talk about it all day, pretty much.
0: Well, let's 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 close on this note. Why are so many people or why are so many businesses, entities, uh, governing bodies, why are they opposed to it? Why are they opposed to DNI?
1: I cannot comment on why they would want to do that or why don't they don't understand it or they don't take the time to really see the value. I'm not sure if it's coming from fear. I'm sure sometimes we want to focus on oh they're they're changing their gender or they're um, focusing on on the race or on a sexual orientation, but DNI it's a lot more. It, it covers disability, it covers age, um, even just folks making sure that. There's interviews that are tailored to folks that have autism. How do we help organizations tailor an interview for an, for an individuals that have autism that might not be able to survive or really execute on a regular one-on-one mm-hmm. interview? So it goes way beyond that. Um, I really wouldn't know why they're against it, but it's really having conversations and really getting to the bottom of why it's important.
0: Well- you're right, and and we can't get into some into other people's heads. But at the same time, this is in the news. I mean, it's all over. This last legislative session in Texas, I was up at the Capitol. I don't know how many times, just trying to fight some new legislation that was occurring that would basically get rid of um, DNI programs. You know, in in um, in state agencies and and uh, universities. So it baffles me. I believe it's important, and uh, as said earlier. Not only is it important, but it also increases productivity and profitability for a company to be inclusive.
1: So one thing that's going to, and then we can close on this note, is um, everybody's going to have a different aha moment. And that's a conversation that I have with every leader and with every organization. Even if within a team of 10, everyone's going to have a different aha moment. And, a, and, and by what I mean is if maybe their grandson, it's just was identified with autism. And now they want to make sure that there's an inclusive environment or their granddaughter just recently came out and they don't know how to have conversations. Now they're going to have an aha moment and they're going to value it. So we're all in different journeys. It might not be within that their own generation or within their own privilege, but maybe someone along their way and you have to be very patient with it. And, even in that, I, we cannot just go in there and expect for everybody to jump and say, oh, yes, the, find their why. Usually people have different whys, and we ultimately hope that they, when they do find it, that they haven't caused so much damage on not being an inclusive person.
0: I think that's an excellent point, that aha moment, and which only supports what I've been saying for years, that everybody listens to the same radio station, WIFM, what's in it for me? All right. So w- w- once it becomes personal, once it involves them, once it involves their po- their their pocketbook or their family members, then it's kind of like, oh, aha, okay, we need to we need to make this right for everybody. Okay, a little hypocritical, but at least they're coming around slowly. So. Now, I think we've already said this three or four times that we're almost out of time. But you know what? The heck with it. It's our show. We'll just keep on going. Before we go, is there any thoughts you would like to leave, Thelma? And once again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and educating old folks like me of why it is important to listen to young people. And the whole uh, reverse mentoring thing definitely makes sense. So any closing thoughts you want to leave for our listening audience?
1: Um, new, thank you so much for having me. Ultimately, if any anyone needs any type of, of consulting or tailored solutions, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, ultimately, my goal is to keep cultivating an environment of mutual respect, understanding, and support through our diversity.
0: Thelma, once again, thank you so much for being here today. I know I learned a lot. Hopefully, our listeners learned a lot. If you're out there listening and like to find out more information, please go to our notes, and uh, we will put the uh, website address to uh, Thelma's business, so you can go and look it up and ask some more questions. And I do encourage you to ask questions. I'm sure Thelma, you have. If you don't, maybe you do now. Do you have? Do you have like a free consultation or something? If somebody had some questions, <laughs> that they could just, they get, they could just send you an email or ask you.
1: Yes, of course, and they could always schedule some time in my calendar. I'll be more than happy to answer their concerns.
0: Perfect. Latina owned. A young woman who left a good paying job to start off and say, I'm going to start my own business and be my own boss. So congratulations on that. You've been listening to Latino Business Report. If you haven't visited our website, I encourage you that you do that. You can actually communicate with us, uh, post stuff, ask us questions, and we're always looking for new ideas for new guests and subjects, subject matter, and that's latinobusinessreport.com. Uh, LatinoBusinessReport.com and for those who like YouTube we also have our entire body of work on YouTube under the same name Latino Business Report. Thanks a lot folks. Have a great day and remember diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's the thing to do. Laters. Bye.